You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride and on Twitter at the Slow Ride Pod. Enjoy the ride. Welcome to the 106th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. This is Tim in Orlando, Florida. Swing it hey. over to my main man in Minneapolis. This is Matt. Got the timing all wrong in Minneapolis. <laughs> Yo, how's it going out there in Boston, Massachusetts? Well, it's going going good. This is this is the Wolfman checking in from <laughs> from Boston, Massachusetts, where things are getting crazy. Yeah, lots to talk about on the Slow Ride Podcast tonight. Let's start with the biggest story of them all, gravel grinding in southern Minnesota with little guy Matt Allen, who it looks like got, let me look at the results here, still scrolling, and still scrolling. Hundred, oh, nope, next screen grab, 150th place. Really? I didn't know what I got. You guys just turn your video off? You're laughing so hard at me? Uh, <laughs> that's not surprising. I felt really bad. So, did you have fun there in the slow in the the, the Almanzo land at, at the Slow Ride podcast? The Slow Ride Gravel um, Grinder, I think, is what he was trying to say. Like he let the cat out of the bag for next yeah. year's sponsorship. It was really hard. I had a really bad day. It was really windy. It was cold. I didn't have that much fun. No. Well. We did get a lot of listeners and new listeners on the way to the Almanzo that were listening to the I Slow Ride podcast, that. and they were lis- they were li- listening and probably looking for you, little guy, to hear you say on your left when you were passing them. <laughs> I didn't pass anybody. That's the problem. <laughs> Nobody. I, I don't think I passed anybody. I might have oh, passed man. one or two, one or two guys. Um, now there, what there was worth- my time? Because I haven't looked. I haven't seen this yet. I, I gotta go back to the results. I do want to oh, say okay. that the. Uh, the results for um, uh, the winner, you know, Adam Bergman taking the win. Oh, was Bergman who won? Former professional cyclist, Adam Bergman. So that's really funny because I went to a bike swap yesterday after I got back, and I was talking to someone, uh, I think I'd name, be named nameless, and they said, I don't know, some guy won some, like, Jelly Belly Pro. Jelly Belly Pro. <laughs> Which is... At this point, a really funny way to describe Adam, because that was, what, yeah. 13 years ago? At least, yeah. <laughs> 13 years ago and, you know, a little time off. A little um, time off. A little vacation. I mean, that's so that was really weird. So when I was told that a Jelly Belly rider won, I was like, oh, really? Huh, I didn't see any Jelly Belly riders there. I That's weird. Aren't they, aren't they all at the Tour of California? Yeah, that's kind of funny. I didn't know... Um, so- that's weird to be described that way. That's like someone describing me as as um, Aussie Oriole football player Matt Allen. Oh, oh, it's like, oh yeah. I guess once I was on the Aussie. Did you play team. kicker? That's my guess. What do you got? No, to he was. Dude, he's totally running back. Yeah, I was running, a running back? back, man. Oh shit! Really? He could. Oh, dude, he could uh, hide behind those moves. tackles. He can you know? deke. He can bob and weave, but I don't know if he can take a hit. 
I he didn't get hit. He was too he was silky smooth. No, trust me. I, oh, if any if any of my former <laughs> offensive line is out there listening, go fuck yourselves. Get off. <laughs> Don't listen to the podcast anymore. You guys fucking suck. <laughs> bunch of bunch of wimps. I got so, hit way more than I needed to get hit. <laughs> little guy, I got a guess. Maybe Tim can have a guess too here. But I'm thinking you probably were the guy on the team with the nickname, and I'm really hoping it was the rabbit. So Spencer, I, I like the idea the little guy's football nickname was the Rabbit, but I'm more concerned that he was a football number other than number one because he looks oh. like a number one in football for me. I'm guessing 34. He's pucking yeah. all the way. I, oh, I did have Hershel 34 Walker. at one point. Really? I did. <laughs> nice. Well, I mean, you know, and then it was my rider number at Blazing Saddles, right? Yeah, so. that, that was why I was going for it. So yeah. back to bike racing, guys. Oh, yeah, bike racing. You did your 100-mile gravel, the first major gravel race in the country with over 600 people in your field. You did it in 7 hours, 24 minutes, and 122nd place. The Ouch. winner in 5 hours, 19 minutes was Adam Bergman. With the oh, wow. Eppins taking third place on the tandem, like normal. Uh, former national cross champion Eric Thompson taking fifth place for five hours, 40 minutes. So quite the, uh, you know, quite the field shows up for this event. And you even got a um, got U.S. It. national level mountain bike racer Jenna Reinhardt uh, taking the win uh, in 14th place for I the s- winner. I still have oh. nightmares about Oriole Road. Little guy, is it yeah. still as terrible as my dreams lead me to believe? Yeah, it's really steep. It. <laughs> I don't think it. I so I don't know. I don't know what time I did it in last year, but I know I did it a lot faster. Everything about last year <laughs> felt about a hundred and fifty times easier. And I remember thinking, ah, Oriole's not that bad. Like leading up to the event, and then I got to Oriole, and I felt like I was going to cry or have to start walking the whole way. I just barely made it up Oriole. <laughs> I had, and That's, so last yeah. year I only had a thirty nine twenty three, right? That's all That's, I could shift That's into. insane. This year I had a twenty seven, and it it was harder. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just out of shape. I guess. I guess that's like the end of it is I'm just not in good shape. Yeah. But man, it hurt. Oriole hurts. It all hurts. So what's worse is those flat into the wind for like forty minutes. Well, yeah, that's pretty brutal. The Almanza once again proves, along with the you know the dirty Kanza and others, that the future of USA cycling may be outside of the traditional road race um, segment that uh, you know we're going to talk a little bit later about with the that New England's going through with just kind of this uh, you know with the pay payouts and just uh, individualized categories where you know everyone gets different wave starts, um, so. There's a lot to discuss that we're going to get to, and this leads perfectly into this past weekend. Uh, one of the Prem Lap sponsors we've had with Grand Fondo New York uh, had their big event with 5,000 people towing the start line at the George Washington Bridge, and of course, it was a big, uh, mm-hmm. big weekend. And I, gentlemen, have now <laughs> finally taken out my USA Cycling license for the year 2016. Whoa. Really? And I, ha- I know, and I. I waited. I, I held out hope, and I waited so I could buy it directly from the president of USA Cycling, Derek Bouchard Hall, and uh, naturally. Uh, I re- so naturally, his Secret Service people did not let you anywhere near him. Is that? Uh, yeah. No. Um, surprisingly, I just had to check the booth every 30 minutes to see when he'd show up, and then he was there, <laughs> and I recorded the entire transaction. So really? let's take a listen. This is wonderful. 
So here's your, your racing license application. Just okay. fill out this basic information. Of course, we have a waiver here uh, that you need to, to read and understand and sign. And uh, your category information. What category do you think I am? Well, that's a hard call. Um, I would say that you're, you, you look pretty fast. So I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say you might be uh, cat one or two. On the track, I'm a two. Watch out. Okay. But not on the road. Not on the road. Yeah, you gotta go down a little bit. Three. I'm a three. Yeah. Three. Okay. So what license should I sign up for? You should take out an adult racing license. Adult racing license? Yep. Do I need to like pay extra to be a mountain bike license? No, it's one integrated. Wait, I thought that I used to have to pay extra for a mountain bike license. Yeah, I've anymore. heard about this on the internet. Not anymore. It's just it's one. We we integrated all of it together. One fee. It's one Does fee. any of this money go to like stop doping? Yes, it does. There is an anti-doping surcharge on there, depending on your categories. Category three on the road, two, I think that would be five dollars is the additional amount. I'm good. This is yeah, good. You just right, I'm going to start filling up. And, yep. then, and then I'll just hand you my and we credit we take card. your money and you contribute to the organization and yes. your own personal racing. This is so exciting. So you feel good about what you get to do for yourself, but also for what you're doing for American Bike Racing more so, broadly. So am I the first ever person to buy a license directly from yes, President Bouchard Hall? Yeah, Seriously? You yeah, I, I, I normally don't get to be like sort of at the coalface like this. This is very exciting for me. Oh, man. You think it's exciting for you. <laughs> so there you go, guys. I'm a, I'm a USA Cycling member now, and it seemed that Derek Bouchard Hall really enjoyed selling me that uh, that license. I'm sure it was the highlight of his weekend. I can't Probably. think of anything that would have been. I better. think it's the highlight of his tenure as president <laughs> of USA Cycling. So far, I mean, that's until me or Spencer takes out a license directly that's true. from him. The only part that got me is I don't think he felt threatened when I told him I was a Category Two on the track. And yeah, I doubt he felt out. threatened by that. No, yeah, he really, he actually really didn't seem very impressed but i have my license again so no excuses so i will uh, definitely do my uh, seven or eight races this so year so we're gonna to see you on the schedule. track racing in the twos uh maybe yeah no probably not <laughs> I need to find a track bike uh, uh-huh. okay and uh the other cool part was that right after i got done buying the license um i was able to have a, uh, about a five minutes with uh derek and the promoter of grand final new york uli um flume so we're here with Derek Bouchard Hall and Uli Froom. Froom, not Froom. Oh, okay. Uh, Grand Fonda, New York. And, and one of the the questions we got from Eric Saunders, one of the pros, was, "Does uh, USA Cycling need to be relevant outside of just classic road racing? Like, does it? How is that? What depends on it to be successful? Meaning, grand, events like Grand Fonda, New York." mountain bike events that are going on, maybe some of that gravel type uh, aspect. Is that where USA Cycling needs to be successful? Unequivocally, absolutely, yes. Yeah, Yeah. and we've made that decision explicitly at the board level and our strategic plan and everything that we're doing. That is is uh, absolutely clear we, we believe that we're and we're doing that in a lot of different ways uh by the way we're changing rules so the grant fund in new york can be a part of us uh by actually reaching out and changing our policies and pricing to enable events like uh, uh like grand fondos gravel grinders to be part of us um and, uh, and and we are changing our internal staff to be more focused on that we have people that are are, are coming from that community and thinking about that so we, we believe it a complete strategic imperative that we moved beyond just that top of the pyramid of, of racing. There's a much broader base of cyclists that are enjoying the sport 
that we absolutely want to be relevant to. And how many people do you have at Grand Fondo New York this year? 5,000. 5,000 racers. Yeah. And how many are like U- U.S. like based American? About half of them. About half of yeah. them. All right. So do you think that that's a crossover into like why why are you working with USA Cycling? For me, I've grown up as a racer in the like early 90s. And I love being part of a federation because it gives unified rules. People know what to expect. It's kind of like a trademark. It's in, in some countries, it's completely normal. There is no other way than going with a federation. If you, everybody wants that. So for us, absolutely no question to do it. And I look at Grand Fondo New York as just being a road race. We've seen it not only here in America. But again, I've grown up uh, racing in the early 90s and... 92, 93, we still had like road races over like 100 miles, 80 miles, and more and more of them were breaking away, and all that was left was the criterium around the church or in the industrial area. And I, I love long distance road racing, and this getting be more and more difficult for 200 guys to close 80 miles. I think current fondos type races are an alternative to that. You have bring the masses, which brings enough money to pay for the cost yeah. to, to do that. For me, this is still pretty classic road racing, just more people. That's a good way to look at it. I think it's a really important point. These are fantastic, highly competitive events that people love. And uh, and they're very, very competitive. They're very hard. They're we wonderful. discussed the top ten on the, one of the podcasts. It's okay you weren't listening to it. But uh, he told us, top level. I mean, you're absolutely right. This is not a, uh, it's not a slow stroll. It's definitely a race in that front end. But it's open for everybody else that gets to experience a pretty cool event. I mean, there's, there's place in the cycling ecosystem for a lot of different types of events of all different competitive formats. What matters is that people are engaged in the sport and enjoying what they're doing. And if there's new formats and ways they do that, that's wonderful. And USA Cycling is all for it. And we want to promote that and support it rather than saying that we believe it's this tight definition. That's that's not at all the case for us. Awesome. Well, well, thank you so much, Derek. And Uli, very nice to meet you guys. And thanks for not throwing me out. So, what do you guys think of uh, what Derek and uh, Uli had to say about events like Grand Fondo New York? I mean, it seems reasonable, right? Like, road racing is not where it used to be popularity-wise. Uh, no, but not at all. more importantly, it's just like, I think the, the day and age is like logistically seems more challenging to get permissions for a road race like it's more there's more insurance there's more red tape there's more bureaucracy it's well, a pain in the ass and road road promoters are like i'll just throw a free gravel race and people just show up well think about that like i mean how many times like when we were putting on the crit right and you that's all you get is because you can only yeah. block off maybe six tenths of a mile of the uh, roadway yeah. and then you also get all of like the you're in a road race it's such a hassle because you got to pay for an official for every field and then you know, the 40 to 44-year-old left-handed um, category wants, uh, you know, their own prize list. And it mm-hmm. becomes such a, a hassle to put it all together that I liked how Uli was just like, no, like, you just start everybody together and eventually it's going to, you know, uh, uh, yeah. stretch out. And it's still high-quality road racing. If you look at the top, like the winner, Michael Marguerite of uh, New York City this uh, this week, and I hope I got his name right. I mean, he got ninth at uh, Tour Battenkill earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, we're talking about some pretty high-quality, uh, high-caliber yeah. racers uh, um, throughout. Yeah. So, Well, what's funny is, you know, and I, I am definitely guilty of this, like the trash talk on a Grand Fondo is usually like along the lines of, 
oh, it's just a big, you know, mass start, whatever, like, it's not a real race, you know what I mean? Like, you get this, like, oh, it's a participation, you know, event, like, everybody, you know, just shows up, and then it's, like you said, it strings out, and it breaks into the categories, or, or you know, people filter into where they should be, but it's not a real race. But that's actually how all, like, all the local races go in, like, Belgium, and all these places that people... Yeah fetishize about like that's a caress like that's that's how they do it there you know and so i mean it makes sense that it works you know it makes a ton of sense and it's just the you know from a logistic standpoint you know you can shut down the entire george washington bridge because you've got five thousand road racers on it right. and then you go up and do your course granted it costs money to do it but the uh you know i think that this is the future it's the same thing we see with little guys event this past week in almanzo it's easier to run, and it's not the, uh, you know, yeah, it's maybe a little bit of a cluster at the start, and you've got to kind of watch your wheel a little bit, but how many crashes have we seen in one, two races? Yeah, oh, none. I, they all have I breaks. I mean, I, it is a little hectic in the start of Almanzo, but I, I I don't think because there are people, you know, of, of like lower categories mixing it with the fast guys. I think it's just because it's people racing. You think yeah. it's because of mountain bike handlebars next to a road? Curved bars? <laughs> not, not really a scary thing. No, I mean, yeah, you're starting out. There's people on road bikes, cross bikes, uh, gravel grinding specific bikes, uh, yeah, fat bikes, yeah. any mountain bike plusers, any twenty nine plusers, mountain bike tandems, all mixing it up. You're getting passed by the Eppins on the tandem, going mm-hmm. down big hills at like forty five miles an hour, which is a little scary. But they are way better bike handlers on that tandem than I am all by myself. So. <laughs> Yeah, but no, I I I don't see any reason so why people should be should, bothered by the mass star thing other than wanting to have that category attached to their name and, and yeah, have a sense yeah. of importance on the start line. So the then even if you get dropped, you're like, it's cool. I'm a 2. Yeah. Yeah. Um so does it make sense like should USA cycling road races move in that Kermesse style direction? Yes. Like Yeah. In in the 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 strict reason is that the, you know I I I don't understand why there isn't more races that are very simply just categories and this goes back to what um, friend of the podcast Derek Lewis um, stated that you know Masters racing is like pretty much ruined USA cycling in that it's become so diversified yeah so everyone's just under the assumption that a that a young kid isn't gonna crash you out and I, I'm of the opinion. Especially after seeing this, that like you know, it's inherently dangerous to do bike racing, yep. and so we need to accept that. Yeah. And if you're afraid to crash, then don't sign up for the race, or just go faster and be in front of the people right. that like, that you're worried about people, crashing with. People crash by themselves in time trials. You know, people crash on on yeah. road rides that aren't a race. You know, people they like if you're on two wheels, it's possible you could fall off of your two wheels. I. Yeah. I would be a, a huge fan of putting on a, um, you know, like maybe a one, I would think like if you did a one, two, three road race, mm-hmm. and then you did like a, uh, a four five, and you did that for both genders, so you only had four races that day, could be a, a good way to do would it. You, would you separate them out like completely, or would you just like one minute between the starts and have kind of everybody on the same course at once, so you minimize that road closure time? I'd probably start them a minute apart, or... You know, just go a one through five race and just cap the entries at like ninety bucks, or sorry, ninety people. 
Because <laughs> you're, the, you've been racing yeah. in Florida let's too ca- long. Let's cap the injuries at 90 bucks. Let's say like <laughs> that's like, like the absolute <laughs> maximum you can pay. Let's just but, do that right now. I mean, I think that the whole you know, I you know, I I would reduce out the payouts obviously because I'm a I'm a big proponent of why are amateur bike racers getting paid? Mm-hmm. I don't understand that. I think it creates a, uh, a culture agree. of it disincentivizes people from upgrading. It creates a culture of uh, even cheating at the amateur level, and it's yeah. just not. You know, I would happily go pay the thirty-five bucks or forty bucks to go do a road race, and not have to. Um, you know, as long as there are corner marshals and there's a wagon that can pick me up for when I get my inevitable flat tire, then I will. Uh, I'd be happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking as three guys who have not been in the payouts very many times in our lives. It's obviously not what's brought us back to racing year after year, you know? Yeah, if I was living off my race winnings, I would have died several years ago. <laughs> yeah, I have so, filed for bankrupt racing, bike racing bankruptcy about 100 times by now. I think we should get into this. You know, obviously people want us to talk about the Giro and the Velo games, but let's talk briefly about this whole well, payout structure. They want us to talk about the Giro, but not Velo games. I got some personal tweets from people saying that it's like, let's... Let's ignore the Velo games. It's not. <laughs> it's just not that cool. I mean, they're just like they're kind of over it. We'll have to get into the that. shark. We'll I think get into that. I heard Dumoulin jump the shark. He jumped right over Nibali. <laughs> oh, the shark. Okay, so, yeah. Let's talk about payouts because I'm with you, Tim. They're stupid. I, I, it just doesn't make any sense. Like the amount of money that that we're putting into no. racing, and promoters are complaining about losing money, right? Right. And yeah. then they. What do they do? Well, they give out a big payout. And this is something that we did as promoters in our first ever crit. We put way too much payout that didn't really attract anybody. Yeah. And even though it was a lot of fun to put the payout out there, but, you know, at the end of the day, why are we paying money for people to not show up anyway? I mean, we were encouraging people to go to the start line to take the start so they could get free money. Yeah, we we were we posted our prize list you know, for the the amateur women, like pretty deep, you know, uh, twice as deep as a normal race in the area. And we didn't have enough people to fill it. So we we're like, Hey, if you want to sign up, you're yeah. going to get paid like that. But like, I, we want you to take this money, please I, sign I up. Think, and then they did. And we got a few more day ofs and that was pretty cool. But, but that's uh, just, I mean, we just sort of reinforced the fact that there were just that at that point, there were just that many people. Like there were just yeah. that many women that regularly raced and it. And right. they weren't but, in it for the payout either. Like no, and, that sort of reinforces the point that the payout, the payout. Some there's a few people that probably care about, like only go to a race or they would choose one race over another if they had the option because one pays out more. But like 99 percent of the people going to the race are going to the race because they want to go to that race. Not yeah, you're going to the one closest to your house. Not it has a good payout, or yeah, the one you enjoy. And and I don't think people are going for payout now. If it's if it's a difference, I know. You, 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 Spencer, are going to bring up like the difference between the men having a huge payout and the women having no payout. That doesn't make any sense either. Yeah, yeah, that uh, <clears throat> that goes the opposite direction. So, tell us what's going on up in New England, Spencer, and then well, uh, about amateur bike racing and how ridiculous it is <clears throat> to some people to understand what's going on. Well, from you know, and I'm a new transplant here, but from what I gather, like New England has kind of been for years a little bit of the bellwether for the rest of the country like they get they get it together up here and they show and prove that things work 
and then it kind of trickles down to the rest of the country. Like the equal payouts and cross have been a big thing here at the big races for for years, and and now it's pretty much a standard. And the UCI has adapted it. You know, like that's pretty impressive. You know, and that kind of I don't know. I don't know if it started here, but a big push came out of here, popularized it. You know, and and the same is happening with the road racing. The quality events here tend to have equal payouts, and and that's awesome to see. But there are still some ridiculous discrepancies in in race promotions and i don't i honestly i can't figure out why you wouldn't take the two elite categories you know men's elite women's elite and just pay them the same like what like why why when you go to write down what you're going to pay people would that number be any different you know what i mean yeah well their argument is inherently going to be that there's less women racers right isn't that like it's either it's either there's less women so why would we pay them or it's that's how we've always done it those are the two arguments so the the argument that's how we always done it done it is just dumb Ah, and should it should be immediately thrown out yeah the second one of there's not as many women racers begins like okay I hear where you're coming from, but you need to start rethinking how that works. One way that you can easily do that is you reduce out the men's payout to the women's payout, and you cut it in half, and then you don't have any problem whatsoever. Well, because the women's winner should well deserve the same amount of money as the women. Absolutely. Men's yeah. But what's part, the logic of the 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 because there's less well, less women? Look, think. Let's right. think of. Uh, like a pro, like the sometimes the Belgian national men's pro championship, when yeah. the when the men without contractors there aren't there, it's sixteen men. You know yeah. the pro field sixteen men. That's the race everyone comes for. It's sixteen yeah. guys. It's not like uh sorry Sven, we can't give you a big check this week because uh, your field was kind of small and uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, but the junior girls each got paid uh, five thousand dollars each. You're cool with well, that, right? And here's here's the other thing is um, why. The the flaw in the argument is why are you basing your payout on the predicted amount of people you're going to have? Like, I there's usually not as many women, so I'm just automatically going to write them a $200 payout overall and give the men $1,500. Like, yeah. why wouldn't you say, my elite categories are getting X amount each? You know, like... If they don't show up, if there's only five women and they take the five top spots and you don't pay out all the way to 10, you keep that money. Like, it's not like you're losing a whole lot of money, but it just puts the air out there that A, you give a shit, and B, you know, that that elite racers on either gender are putting in the same relative amount of work to get where they got. You know what I mean? They don't deserve less because there's less of them. Like, that's insane. Yeah. So... I don't know. I we there's there's a great example, and hopefully this gets changed before the race happens because it's embarrassing. It's, and I'm gonna call them out because it, they should be embarrassed about it. Is uh, the Connecticut State Criterium Championships, which is happening uh, in June here? They have uh, pro pro through Cat three men's race pay out twelve hundred fifty dollars. Women's pro through Cat three race. Payout is ten dollars per rider, up to two hundred fifty dollars maximum. So, if there's four or five women in the race, the payout is forty or fifty bucks. That's unbelievable. 
up to 250. So if they max out the field, they're still only going to get less than a quarter of the men's. Like what? They're elite level athletes. Like they had to go through the same hoops with USA Cycling to get to that category. Why would that be any different? Like that should I can be tell you, that I, should be part of your budget as a race promoter. Yeah. You shouldn't it be sh- like it should be, but I'm counting the I'm counting heads here. You know. So okay, not devil's advocate, but in 2007 when we put on the campus crit, uh-huh. and we did it based off of budget, uh-huh. the payout for the men we did was 260 dollars sixty, and then the payout for the women was 220 dollars sixty. So we had a forty dollar difference difference discrepancy. Right. Now, granted, that was eight years ago. That was eight years. We were probably the only ones that paid anywhere close, honestly. We, well, we, but I know for a fact we had the largest women's payout. Yeah. Around, and we also ran a you know announcement creed. So I'm not saying that we were perfect either, but I'd like to think that if we were still putting this race on, that we would have changed this a while back. Yeah. I remember one of the uh, Georgia, what was it, the Georgia Gould solution, was that the winners of the race should get paid the same amount of money, like the top five, because she was saying that the, you know, maybe because there's less racers as a whole, it shouldn't go as deep. That was, but that idea was five years ago. And since it's like transitioned into that, it should be completely deep. Things things change quickly and you can't rely on that's how we've always done it. It's a bullshit argument. That's why that argument goes away. And we learned quickly that the, you know, we still paid, quite a bit of money mm-hmm. if i was going to do it all over again because this is we put on this race and we lost our shirts on this race yeah. it's because we were paying masters 40 plus racers 120 dollars six deep yeah. and 10 yeah. people showed up if yeah. i would do it all over again i wouldn't have paid any of those people money except maybe the top men and top women's race i'd, and that I'd have done it. the elite races and that's it yeah yeah so and that would have equaled really? out everything and we learned that lesson if we do it again Let's come on. Let's go back in a dream state. Let's just get rid of the Masters races altogether. Oh, that would definitely happen. I would. I, in in Spencer, a perfect I, world, I would this run flyer, a Cat this 5 race, is pretty awesome. a Cat 4 race, a Cat 3 race, a Cat 2, yeah. a 1-2 well, probably. If, and then I would also race junior fields. But, so can we get into, but if there's anything that the Tuesday night series, like whichever Tuesday night series in, in Minnesota shows, it's that just doing category racing makes for better racing because you show up yeah. on those Tuesday night races and that's it's fun. There's a big field. Everyone has a good time. You show up on a weekend race. Hey, I'm in the three crit. There's five dudes. Oh, now I'm the 35 plus. It, it just breaks up the fields and you don't yeah. end up having quality fun hey, fields. Let's get into this flyer though, Spencer. Like we may have been a little bit behind the full curve in 2007 of equal payouts for men and women. Wait, I feel 11 that, years ago, we were behind the times just a little bit? That's crazy. Just a little. Well, actually, we were a little bit ahead of the times at that yeah, Never mind. Yeah. Time machine is messed up. But let's talk a little bit about some of the things that we were doing. One, the three of us that on the flyer, we footed the bill for all new racers so they didn't have to pay a one-day license. So that was yep. all Cat 5 men, Cat 4 women. Yep. So we took I'm your $10 one day. We were yeah. very proud of that. Um, additional racing was only $5 at the crit. And nice. proud of that. pre-registration was 20 bucks. Race yeah. entry on day of was 30 which I was always proud of that we always had a $20 race. But the rules is where we really set it on fire. In the flyer, <laughs> it says absolutely no littering, yep. tossing bottles. 
Yeah. Bad mouthing officials. Yeah. Little guy, you would be a little trouble there, but whatever. <laughs> n- n- hey, n- if he starts the race when I don't have my hands on the bars, I don't care. I'll get thrown out of the race. I'm I'm uh-huh. helping promote. Yeah, absolutely. No, no public nudity. Uh huh. No sailor talk. Yeah. No performance enhancing drugs. You spelled performance there, but that Sorry. made it through. <clears throat> Or crumpling, folding, otherwise destroying race numbers. Yeah. These rules will be strictly enforced. And my favorite is violators will be disqualified and publicly shamed. Which <laughs> we still did a really good job of publicly shaming people that couldn't follow the simple instructions. So, Well, Minnesota at the time had a really big uh, problem with public nudity at races. <laughs> Required us to put it on the flyer. A lot of a lot of urination in people's front yards that cost us a yeah. lot of crits and different things. Now, one of the coolest things we did that crate, which I highly recommend, was the ascending preems, which we uh, tried on the very end of the men's race. The breakaway and hunter preems. So, so basically, it was like five dollars a lap from laps fifteen to ten to go, yep. and it was ten dollars a lap from laps ten to. Six and then what twenty dollars a lap from tw- yeah, 20. five to two and then if you got the gambler's preem it was like a hundred bucks and then the payout was off of the final lap so yep so if you got in the breakaway which one team did the Flanders team and they just racked up a ton of money because they were just one across the line every lap so they ended up getting like another three hundred bucks in just prime preams. yeah they so. got they got seven or eight of those preem laps and then. He got caught. I think that was Wool, wasn't it? Um, yeah, got maybe. caught, and then his Sand teammate bagger. his teammate ended up winning the sprint for the final. So they took a whole bunch of that money. Anyway, so I think that the the, the time has come where amateurs, if you're going to have dumb payout money, then you need to equal it for the men and the women. That's 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 my official stance. Yeah. Yep. The Slow yep. Ride Podcast advocates equal payout. Uh, advocates category racing and advocates Kermes style racing. Apparently, that is how we will do it. And Spencer, why don't you take time to uh, introduce us, introduce us to our newest Prime Lab sponsor? Well, guys, I heard you talking about racing. I heard Tim took out his license, and that piqued my interest because. You know, you said you were two on the track, but I don't know if you got it, Tim. I want I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't know if you've got what it takes. Do you think you've got what it takes? I'm pretty sure I have what it takes, but I don't know how to take my natural talent to the next level. That is uh, that is by far the, the biggest concern that I have. I, I feel like I am a diamond. But I'm not yet packaged in a little blue box from Tiffany's. I see. That's a good analogy. That's very good. Um, well, what you could do, this week's Premlap uh, sponsor can actually help you out with that. We are talking about getting yourself some coaching from jbvcoaching.com. They are excellent coaches. They've been in business for over a decade. Um, they can help you. They can help you achieve so what you're trying to achieve. I actually looked into this because, you know, my interest was piqued because I was like, now that I'm a USA Cycling license member, maybe I want to get this out-of-town form to the next level. Mm-hmm. And there's all the different uh, coaching plans. But the one that actually stuck out to me the most was was really the 12-week consultation. One, so, like, 
you can do the the three month commitment of the different levels, but the twelve week consultation was actually pretty perfect for me. Yeah. Because not only would um, I get to talk to a real life coach that knows a lot more about cycling than me with actual proven results, mm-hmm. they'd be able to uh, follow up with me and set up a training schedule of like twelve weeks, which I feel with my um, attention span, twelve weeks is probably all I could really handle. Uh-huh. Because after three months, I get a little uh, little loopy about the bike racing again. So I really <laughs> like that idea of just kind of how you can go like the really whole hog all the way in. Or you can yeah. just go with a, yeah. a simple consultation this where they're scary. analyzing some of my powers. Yeah. My, pa- my power files. That makes yeah. sense. Tim, I see you as going in for the, for the <laughs> 35 plus like uh, just intervals sort of sort of training program 5 a.m basement intervals yeah like a like a like a quick 12 weeks of just like on the tie bike hammering it out whereas i see spencer doing the slow build you know build it up for like a lot of base Uh and then add the power on top that could be see here, here here's why guys i am interested in this is because you have been my coaches for the last 12 years and as you know my results have been garbage well, no, I, I, I have, you. and they've been all garbage. They have, and been my all results garbage. are not there to prove it. That's uh, the true. more, the more well, I learn about bike racing, and the more I read articles by coaches that sort of give you those those nuggets of knowledge, but don't really give you the whole picture. The more I realize, I don't know what the hell I've been talking about uh, as far as coaching stuff goes for for the last decade. Uh, but someone that does is jbvcoaching.com. <laughs> they they can analyze your power. They can tell you what normalized power is. Little guy, what's normalized power? Uh, I don't know. It's like the power you make over 30 minutes. Yeah, what's your functional threshold, though, guy? What do you what do? You do? Like, what sort of... Oh, what were high. you doing for Almanzo? Low. <laughs> okay. See, these guys can actually uh, read your data, tell you what it means, tell you where you're lacking, what you need to do to get back on top so you can uh, have have a... You know, you don't even need to win El Monzo next year, but have at least have an enjoyable time yeah. where you're like, wow, I didn't suck it up. Like I had I, I am feeling proud of my accomplishment. Hey, hey little that's, guy. That's what hey. it's all about. Best part about JB, jbvcoaching.com, mm-hmm. and we'll leave it with this. You don't even need to have a power meter to be coached by these guys. See, that's what I like. See, I don't I don't want to have to get a power meter. So there you go. That's nice. J, jbvcoaching.com. Thanks for your support of the Slow Ride Podcast. Hey, this is Mo Bruno Roy, and you're listening to the Slow Ride Podcast. All right, guys, we're back. The Giro d'Italia rest day, rest day number two. Um, there's still one more rest day coming, but um, after the big time trial in the the Chianti region, uh, with this little known rider that no one seems to have picked on their Velo Games League, Primos Roglic of Team Lotto Jumbo, that would be Yellow, yellow Lotto, takes a commanding win by ten seconds over Mateus Brandl. You- are um, so lucky that you Yeah. As unbelievable dumb luck. Was dumb luck. And then you had dumb luck 
that not only did you pick a good rider, that he went out er- that it- and he's a good TTer. He went out early enough that he avoided the rain. Yeah, that yeah. he was uh, he was bad enough that he started GC, early. <laughs> all the GC riders. Yeah. So after, at, yeah, that is true, and, and we can talk That's more about that. But two the- strokes of dumb luck for you in one day. <laughs> You probably found like a twenty dollar bill or something that day. <laughs> the big, uh, the the big, uh, the big, the big loser was Ilner Zacharin, who crashed, lost, uh, you know, a little bit of time. Now is yeah. uh, sitting eleventh place on GC. But the big uh, show, the show pieces, of course, would be Andre Amador um, doing quite well in the TT. You also had Stephen Kreiswick. And Alejandro Valverde and Nibali still all near each other within a minute of leader Gianluca Brambilla. And Bobby Jungles, who is just mm-hmm. one second out of the pink, yeah. heading into stage 10's Mountains of the Alps tomorrow. Nice. So, yeah, um, is this Giro panning out any, any even close to how any of you guys thought it might go? Yes, it yeah. is. And the reason why is... We all knew that uh, old German uh, hair guy there was going to drop out after he won a couple of uh, yeah. sprints, and then Square Jaw Andreas Greipel would take the you know take the rest, and he's got some uh, sprints coming up later in the week. Mm-hmm. But um, you know Valverde has put his uh, charm on in the uh, gravel race or the gravel stage where he did attack and really yeah. stretch it out. Yeah. And what I really like is that you have a couple of teams here that now have. Um, viable alternative options, meaning you still have Nibali with uh, Folksang, who's kind of still sitting around for Astana, and then you still have the two Movistar guys. So you kind of got a one-two punch from those teams, but you do have an isolated Kreiswick. Okay, I don't mean to cut you off, but I don't care what you think anymore. Little guy, what do you think about the Giro? Has has it panned out how you kind of thought it was going? Going to go? Well... The first part didn't pan out how Sorry, I hoped too. it would go, but I think it is kind of turning my way. Land is getting, yeah. he's rising up. Nibali's rising up. Valverde's rising up the rankings. So, yeah, it's a pretty All open right. field, though. I got to say, I mean, I'm, Landa, I'm excited about this. Landa next has two weeks. not looked that good. I mean, he might be on his no. way up because he's getting to his territory. Did you see the video of him almost crashing his time trial bike coming down the hill? No, no. I didn't. In the crappy rain, he went like right off the road, and a spectator held him up from crashing. Oh, wow. uh, he's a span. He's Spaniard. He can't time trial. I. Yeah. He's getting better. Nibali's getting a little better. But he's I just not think it's like gonna the Giro be... last year. No, like he smashed not. it, start to finish I, last year. I think that's better in that. I mean, look look at all those all the G like quality guys. Like the top fifteen is all credible podium but, threats. Uh, like, no, there's a lot. Of not good... anymore. There's like Uran. Like, Uran is in 15th place, and... No. Well, I know, but I'm I saying... I don't know if he's credible for the podium anymore. He's he's maybe not this year, but what I'm saying is, like, all the guys in the top 15 or so are, like, guys who you... Going into this race, we expected something out of. They could okay. have a bad year. They could have a good year, but, like, there's a lot up in the air in the last few days. Like, like Zacharin, right? Like, we all kind of <clears throat> expect him to be up there, he, but yeah. we got to remember, like, he's never gone for GC before other than yeah. at Romandy for, like, a week. So, like... He could just crumble and disappear and get 46 Yeah, I got to say, he was doing much better than I expected, and now he's doing about what I thought he would do. So it's kind of he, worked itself out. He I just think had that, a bunch of crashes, though. He rode really yeah. well. No, I know. He's he was, been riding He was setting the fastest well. times. 
I think the biggest story of the week so far to me is that JCP is out of the race, right? So now Pozovivo yeah. is completely isolated and doesn't have the old manpower to uh, to help him through the mountains. <laughs> and AG2R is uh, going to suffer because of that. I don't but think he's Alejandro Valverde is still on track for the victory, yeah. and he's looking feistier than ever, and he didn't lose a ton of time in the time trial. So things are looking up. Did you guys Bella. watch the uh, gravel stage from, was it Saturday? Yes, I did. So I it only awesome. watched the highlights, but I, wa- I got this great little highlight of the descent coming off that gravel climb, and Valverde's trying to stretch it, and the motorcycle's way too close. And there's a great little, just a moment of Valverde coming up, like almost kissing the back of the motorcycle, and then he goes, Levin! in Spanish at the motorcycle, and just gives this like kind of like hand gesture like, come on, I'm trying to attack here. Let's get to the more important story. What's that? What's, what's that? The Little Prince, just one point out of the King of the Mountains competition. He had the jersey for a little while there, and that yeah. team is all in on him winning the King of the Mountains all they got. competition. They're on the front at every possible moment to bring him to the front to get to the mountains. So yeah, it's, <clears throat> it's kind it's, of a perfect prize for a small team like that. Yeah, it is. No, it's and a good it's one. For a fading... Former GC star, it's a perfect <laughs> prize as well. I mean, I'm all for it too. Um, I'm glad to see him. I wish people would pop up, maybe and make an appearance too, so we can have like a total 2005, 2006 flashback thing going. You on. know, as much as I love people and appreciate Conego and all this stuff, I am honestly like, I would like to see the next generation come through. I, I, I kind of, I'm. I'm Waiting eagerly for Cancellara to retire, even though I love him and all his style of racing. Like, I need, I want them all to kind of get out of the way. Like, I'm excited to see who's next. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's obvious. Every, everybody who's next. except for Boonin is on the table here. Like, I mean, so what I, about you? Got to beat the old men. Like, you, they're not just going to move out of the way. You got to, you got to push people uh, aside. He's going to race for nine more years. Did you see the interview this week where people was talking about how he's going to start a team? He wants no. to start a team. You can see this like on Cycling News. He's like, nice. I'm gonna, when I retire, I'm going to start a team. We're going straight world tour level. We're going to have a feeder team. I'm going to do it right. It's going to be like Mape. I got some ideas. And then he's like, I don't think the legs are bad. I think it's just all in my head right now. I need to be more aggressive. Which, like, I hope the interviewer grabbed him and shook him when he said that and was like, that's your whole career. What? <laughs> you just figured that out? You've been a pro for, what, 13 years? And everyone's been like, He's really good. Why isn't he, like, I don't know, maybe, like, be aggressive one time. And he's now yeah. he's like, you know, maybe I should be aggressive. <laughs> nah, so, I'll, just, I'll just sit in the middle of the pack. Daniel Brown tweets us, um, we have to, he's wondering, uh, do we have to wait for Pipo to retire before naming an award in his honor? No, no. No, oh, no. What yeah. does he want to name an award for? I don't know. We don't, we don't have mo- those questions. For most sexy anonymous performance? Yeah. Um, so... Um, other big things, Greipel, square jaw, leading the points competition um, over Demare. He's probably going to walk away with that one as long as he can finish yeah. in Milan. I don't know who else can get him. Get him. Maybe, uh, t- was it t- Talangini or whatever from Yellow Lotto? Chilingi. Talingi. Talingi. What about the <laughs> fact that, that Lotto won three stages in a row? Greipel, Wellens, Lotto. Uh, Greipel. Like, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they finally had a good year because they they weren't too good in the uh, well, the classics. Yeah, and well, Yellow Lotto is the classics team, and Red Lotto is the Grand Tours team. Like, 
As much as they like and to pretend the they can do both. And the classics team. They're as more of a classic team. As much team. as they like to pretend they can what? do both. Wait, wait, wait. Who is Yellow Lotto's classics writer for the cobbles? I'm interested. Sip Van Mark. Oh, okay, okay. How, who are, who, and what about the Red Lotto? They didn't have anybody. No. Oh, they didn't have anybody? They didn't have like a no. guy named Greg. Or they don't have a guy named Phil or a guy named... Greg... Greg Wellens. is on Van Evermart's on BMC. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's on just some... <laughs> See? <laughs> Color red. So, the other big news... Jürgen Rollins. Team Katusha. Classiest <laughs> team in the Peloton? They have been lately. Yeah, they've been kind of classing it up. I think it's the new kits. So, they're Team Katusha's like... Well, they're, they're launching that new clothing line, and they're like, hey, you know what? We play by the rules now. Yeah. And uh, Team... Team Katusha kicking their own rider out of the Grand Tour for drafting during a time trial, which I have to admit has to be the worst way to go. Like, you must be a really unpopular person on that team bus to get kicked out <laughs> after the UCI has already, like, find you 100 Swiss francs. Yeah. I mean, that is some next-level um, shade getting thrown your way by the team management. Well, you know, they do have some ground to make up for, for... Uh... Bent rules, we could say that, uh, you know, they they probably should have been kicked out of the World Tour a few years ago. But, yeah. uh, you know, they're making up for it slowly but surely, earning back those brownie points with the UCI. Do you think, is this going to be their way to do that? So like, I, don't, are they gonna... I don't know if you know this, but there's there's a couple of scales that we're working on here. There's UCI World Tour points that everybody gets, you know, you get a leader's jersey for that. But there's also UCI brownie points. And, like, the leader of that at the end of the year can have a couple of doping violations and not get kicked out of the world tour, you know? So they need to, they <laughs> wasted a lot of those, or they spent uh, a lot of those, I should say, and now they're but building them back. Financially, since one of their uh, <laughs> backers is on what, the UCI management committee? So well, I think they sort of, they get, they, they sort of get, them, yeah, it's like yeah. a different, when they move around the game board every year, that they get more That works on the brownie, brownie points. point scale, yeah. Yeah, they you get start way off more. With more, yeah. To start off well, in like a small just Italian a, team. That gets it's not like Monopoly points. where you start with two 100s and two 50s. And, t- you know, like no. everybody starts at a different place. And, well, you know. it's kind of like it's almost like Katusha is the banker and we're all playing Monopoly. <laughs> and they just kind of always seem to have a little more money, but we don't understand why. Like, it's weird. <laughs> I can tell you why. It's called Corruption. But the, uh, wait, wait, no, wait, wait, wait. It's Mother called Russia? buying, buying ro- railroads, you guys. That's the key. So I think that the... I think, I think you got to put you got to put hotels. Yeah. Uh, not not the race hotels. They're not so good. <laughs> That's another issue. Nice moldy ceilings. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, I love seeing when these writers tweet these pictures of these hotel rooms because they're hilarious. There's like beds that are like is an it, inch apart like double yeah. beds like where are these hotels i mean i i know they're in italy but they're funny you just never come across <laughs> rooms this hilarious grand? like isn't it just nice to get this like inside view into what it's like to be in the peloton and be like wow that kind of sucks yeah, didn't look so nice <laughs> the best all. thing was the uh heimar zubeldia tweet that was where amazing. he's where he had his swanier put like the GoPro camera on his head while he was giving his legs some massages. It was that pretty was awesome. Pretty yeah, great. live tweeting the live filmed massage. That's there's probably some Spanish websites that are paying a lot of money for that GoPro footage. Oh man, that'd be a hot website. Just cyclists getting their legs massaged. Yeah, yeah. There's a the market for some, everything, little guy. Some. <laughs> 
So, you guys, I know that I know we've been talking about the Giro here for a little while, but uh, yeah. you guys know there's Move another on. Grand Tour happening right now. Yeah, Tour of Azerbaijan. It's looking pretty good. Um, unfortunately, Chris Horner not in the top ten or even on the start list ah, for his well, return. Tim, to like glory. usual, you are wrong about one thing. Uh, that is not the Grand Tour I'm talking about. Tour of Azerbaijan is not a Grand Tour. What is the fourth Grand Tour? is the Tour of California, where Chris Horner is crushing it. Again, you're wrong, because the Tour of California is not a grand tour. It is um, below, it's like the seventh monument, at best. And Chris Horner, not in it. What? No, that's not possible, because he is America's most popular cyclist. And And we've gotten several tweets that after today's victory by (laughs) Ben King... That mm-hmm. Ben King may be America's most popular cyclist at this point. Mm. Who? Still Tyler. So, Spencer. Yeah. Tour California. The ratings are going to go through the roof now that we've mentioned a bike race that's happening during the Giro that's not the Giro and we're supposed to care about it. It's true. Do you, do you yeah. guys watch it? No. I saw I saw stage one. Um, I saw yeah. highlights. And I saw highlights of stage two, yeah. Um, stage Peter one Sagan's was, sprint you know, was pretty awesome. Typical California riding. There was a hill yeah. in the middle of the stage. It didn't affect anything. Great sprint. Peter Sagan crushed it. You know who failed miserably? Katusha. Well, yeah, they did actually too because... They did a lot uh, of work and they... Christoph yeah, was... I don't even know if that he officially finished. He must have finished the stage somewhere, but 16. I certainly didn't see him. But... 16. Brian Cocard was also one of the uh, marquee sprinters in the race. Nowhere to be seen. Like, the lead-out started, and Direct Energy was like, oh, she, we need to finish this espresso and put these croissants back in our pockets. We're at 1K to go. And they brought him up from, I don't know how many meters back. And he did not really have a lead-out train, and he was all over the place. And came in fourth, which... Makes me a little scared for when they actually get it together. But since they're French, they probably won't. They'll get it together. Have you not noticed that Brian Concard has won, like, ten races this year? That's what I'm saying. Like, but he he wins those second-tier races. And he should be winning these big ones, but they can't seem to get it together for him. Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We're talking about the Tour of California, and you you said it was a first-tier race, not a second-tier race. And I'm a little confused. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. It's a major race. Fourth Grand Tour. It's terrible. Okay. It's going to overtake the Vuelta. Oh, God, that's terrible. Is it bad that I don't care at all about the Tour of California? I mean, this is... Why? Against the Giro. Do it three weeks ago. Like, it doesn't... It's always do it during Tour of Romandie. You know that. It's... it's, it's yeah, something. but Tour of Romandie is not the Giro, though. So, like, so the, many guys don't want to do a three-week tour. Like, Kittle I don't, you know, would drop out after eight stages. And guess what? Tour of California is eight stages. But, Spencer, all I'm saying is it should not be going up against what could arguably be the most important and most exciting bike race of the entire calendar. Yeah, well, but they, they used to do it in February, and look what yeah, happened. Okay, it rained there are still constantly. two months. Little guy, there are still two months for them to put this race in March or April. Oh, End of yeah, April, put no it up against Tour de Romandy. Tour de Romandy. Who cares that's, about Tour de Romandy? That's the exact same race, though. Here's the thing: all the big GC it, guys go to Romandy because it's five blocks from their house. They're not going to show up yeah. to California. 
They're still yeah. gonna be fighting. They're gonna be fighting the fact that like, like Froome and shit are racing. What big what big GC guys are at Tour of California? None. That's that's the idea. They're all at the Giro, but these other guys Ex- need to race too. Like Sagan needs something to do, right? Christoph needs something to do. Cavendish. Some of these GC guys would show up to California if it was one week earlier, rather than doing Romandy. No one cares about California except for sprinters. It's not really a GC race. No, it's the the courses are dumb. There's like Spencer said, there's a hill in the middle of each stage, and yeah. then all of a sudden it's a Peter Sagan sprint for the victory, which is exciting and really cool to see Peter Sagan do it. But it's not. But that's what Amazing. people like. I feel like they make this race so that the towns have an exciting circuit race at the end of it. Even if it's a if it's a road stage, it becomes an American race at the end, and people want to watch a crit. People that don't know bike races don't want to come into some town to watch a bike race and see some skinny guy go by and have someone go, "Oh man, that's uh, Robert Gasing. Yeah, he's one of the greatest uh, Dutch cyclists there are right now." And they'll be like, "Oh, okay, yeah, cool." They want to see a hundred guys go fat pass them at 35 miles an hour you know huh because because there might be a crash or something and that's cool yeah because there might like be that. a crash and there'll be crazy stuff happening there'll be guys diving i mean they want to see a field they want to see so so I don't think... american racing what they want to see is a huge pack of dudes such as like the grand fondo new york that style racing and they want to see high intensity exciting racing with possibility of crashes and danger like the red hook crit yeah but they but they want they want the categories to be separate and they want brakes on the bikes it's a uh-huh. weird thing if you just if you do sort of a man on the street interview thing and you ask someone like would you watch a bike race they'll say eh, and you go what if i put brakes on the bikes and i make the chance of crashes happen and i i separate out the categories they're see, like, oh, oh i'll pay money for that that's redundant because there wouldn't be crashes if they had brakes. Oh, you got me there. Here's the problem with it all, guys. Yeah. Is that the person that the man on the street that you're interviewing mm-hmm. about this whole problem? Joe the plumber. Joe the plumber. You're like, hey, Joe the plumber. <laughs> what kind of bike racing? And he's like, not even there to have that conversation with you because he's too busy running next to the racers as they go up a four percent climb, like it's the end of the world. And they're like, oh my god, I'm on TV. That oh. tour of Cal- Oh wait, look! I'm dressed up as the Pope. They had a guy dressed up as a Pope this time around. What is with the costumes at the tour of California? Was that am I a curmudgeon? No, yeah, you, you are. are but, yeah. but I am too. Was the antler guy? There? Am I the new Steve Telford? No, no, no. I've seen that man naked. You're no T- Steve Telford. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how to take that, but it was amazing. <laughs> So, I just, I don't understand all of the running. I, I sound so grumpy. The roads are super wide. It's not exciting <laughs> racing. You think they should put cones down the middle so, of the rides to so, simulate Europe? But like, so just you're cones mad. Say yeah, Europe you're mad that California is not Europe. I'm mad that like everything is a circuit race and there isn't any need to like. There... Everything's not a circuit race. You didn't watch the race last year. You didn't watch it this up. year. Yeah, I don't think I, you know. I agree that no, there's, there's, there's a lot there's not a lot of summit finishes that really dictate the race. Like uh, every now and then That's exactly is. what happened last year. That's 100% what happened last year. Yeah, what? one summit okay. stage. All right. So, real quick, Velo Games. Yep. Slowlight podcast, B team, 6th place. Good job, Spencer. Yeah. Pandel is in 1st place with 2500 points. Little guy 
distant third place way down the capital city feats. And then myself kind of in the middle. Cincy Velo in third place, that's Andy Lacombe. And then Giovanni of the Lanai Cycling Club, presented by Kentucky Bourbon, is sitting in second. <laughs> now, Spencer, at one time you were 50th overall in the world, mm-hmm. and then you quickly went downhill, and I don't think it's, you're going to be and you seeing know the top anymore. It was purely due to trying to spite little guy. I took Bob Jungles off my team and put Visconti on, and it cost me. Yeah, but you'd I'd be way up there if you hadn't done that. I'd do it again just to I, spite I'll, you. I'll give you a little golf clap. I can't believe you won the first four stages. That was insane. Um, that was pretty good. Right I was kind of cheering for nuts. you to win the fifth stage just to see if we could get oh, a screen God. grab of uh, Spencer being in the lead of the overall. Yeah. Once again, we're all playing for a GFNY prize pack, including um, a jersey and other sweet goodies from the uh, from the race this past weekend. Well, guys, that brings us to the end of another Slow Ride podcast episode. And as always, I'd like to thank BK1 of Rhymesters Entertainment for our intro and outro music. I'd personally like to thank uh, Derek Bouchard-Hall, president of USA Cycling, for uh, not keeping me out of uh, USA Cycling for another year. And Uli Flume of showing some hospitality of Grand Fondo, New York. As always, make sure you wave at all of your fellow cyclists, including Mm -hmm. those that are not wearing spandex when you're out on your local rides. And uh, anything else you guys want to add? Uh, Hincappy? Wait, we already said that. But more importantly, we should thank the folks at Wide Angle Podium and all the supporters for supporting our podcast and the sister podcast of the network. That includes the Meyerson line, the Crosshairs Radio Network, yeah. And the kids don't follow podcasts. You know, and you know what we did? Uh, we should probably mention is that we released our first secret bonus episode. Yeah. Get oh it. yeah. That is officially live. It's available for donors uh, to the Wide Angle Podium Network. So if you're a supporter of the show or any show on the network, you get that bonus episode. Which, sorry guys, if you're not, you don't get you don't get access to it. Um, and there'll be bonus episodes from Crosshairs and Myerson Line and everyone else on the on the network as well. So that's uh, that's a little blackmail from us to you. The Slow Ride Podcast: Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod.